But guess who's still on the air? Me. Me. And I'm sitting in a $300 million paid-for building. Neck deep in cash, you jerks. Bring it. That's a rant from Dave Ramsey from June 2021. One of his longtime sponsors was in a legal battle and a spotlight had turned on Dave and his endorsement of Timeshare Exit Team. Well, in April of 2023, some fans of Dave that trusted his endorsement answered that challenge to bring it. They brought a class action lawsuit and named Dave personally. We'll be talking about that on today's episode. I'm Amy Fritz, and you're listening to the Untangled Faith Podcast, a podcast for anyone who has found themselves confused or disillusioned in their faith journey. If you want to hold on to your faith while untangling it from all that is not good or true, this is the place for you. A couple of years ago, I made a decision that changed my life and my relationships. I started going to counseling. I'm so glad I did. If you've been considering getting started with counseling, Faithful Counseling makes it so easy to get started. I know you don't like talking on the phone, so it's good news that you can start the process without even picking up the phone to talk to someone. The Untangled Faith Podcast is brought to you by my listeners who support me on Patreon. It is also brought to you by Faithful Counseling. Faithful Counseling is a Christian counseling service with more than 3,000 licensed therapists across all 50 states with access by video or phone sessions or chat or text. There are therapists with expertise in trauma, depression, family conflicts, and more. You can ask for a new counselor at any time and financial aid is available for those who qualify. Untangled Faith podcast listeners get 10% off their first month from our sponsor, Faithful Counseling. Go to faithfulcounseling.com slash untangled. Fill out a questionnaire and you'll be matched with a counselor. That's faithfulcounseling.com slash untangled. Last week, while my friend and good friend of the podcast, Melissa Hogan, was looking for updates on the ongoing lawsuits regarding Ramsey Solutions, she stumbled across a brand new lawsuit that named Ramsey Solutions. It also named Dave Ramsey personally. Melissa was the very first to write up an article and break that news. Religion journalist Bob Smitana wrote up an article shortly after for the Religion News Service. Since then, I have lost count of the number of outlets that have reported on this lawsuit. Melissa joins me on this episode to explain the ins and outs of this lawsuit. If you're interested in having access to all the information I've collated about Ramsey in one place that points to podcasts, articles, employee reviews, and more, go to untangledfaithpodcast.com and click on the blue sign up button on the middle of the page. All right, let's get into this episode. Well, I have Melissa Hogan back on the podcast today, and that generally means that we have an update that my lawyer friend can explain. Um, you guys that have been listening for a while know that Melissa has been a lawyer for over two decades, 25 years mm-hmm. or more. Yeah. And just this week, we found out there is a new lawsuit that involves Ramsey Solutions, and it's a big, huge deal. So I wanted to, Melissa to, I want Melissa to come on and give us uh, an explanation of what is happening because you all aren't lawyers. It's a fascinating situation and legal theory um, and kind of case that many people both are and aren't familiar with, yeah. and that is a class action suit. So I actually did get a question on Instagram yesterday, and I'll start with answering that. And yeah, then I said, that. How, 
How did you find out about this case? How do you find out about these cases before other yeah. people find out about them? And as you know, Amy, it's kind of a funny story because I write about these Ramsey Solutions cases, hopefully in layman's terms and provide links to some of the documents so people can get a context for what's happening. And part of why they, I do that is because Ramsey is so focused on people not knowing about these yeah. things. And, you know, I'm very passionate about access to courts, um, access to justice, and how you do some of that is to give people access to what's actually happening in the courts, because not everybody can, you know, even go into the courtroom locally or have the time or the understanding to do that. So really access on the internet has been huge for access to justice and access to courts. So you can access lots of files from lots of different courts on the internet, but the easiest is with the federal court system. And there's a, a system called PACER that you have to register and create an account for, but it's not just for lawyers. Other people can do that. And uh, you can search for different types of cases. So, and you can monitor them and, and put them in your saved cases. And you do get charged for what you download and print, but there's a threshold every month that if you're below that, they don't, actually charge you. So that's good. And so a lot of people, if they're just looking at a bunch of different cases are not even going to end up having to pay, uh, overall for that. I bump over that, you know, not infrequently, Yeah. but, uh, so I look for Ramsey solutions cases every so often I monitor the ones that are there that I'm writing about and you can search. And so I search nationwide in the federal court system and did that the other night. I do that periodically and saw this new case. And I thought, well, have I seen that before? Because I recently, I searched locally as well. There was a new case where actually Ramsey Solutions had sued somebody to collect on a contract. Mm -hmm. And I thought, was it that? And pulled it up and looked at it and was immediately uh, blown away. No, it was not that. It was a class action lawsuit. And you could see the date was relatively recent too that I've been yes. filed. Yes. Re- it was filed in April. And then, you know, you've, you filed a complaint, you have to serve people and different things. So really that's all that's happened in that case so far is the entering, filing the complaint, and then uh, the attorneys make their appearance. So these attorneys are representing the plaintiffs the, and then Ramsey has entered, you know, their attorneys who are going to represent them. So does it help that you happen to know that Ramsey goes by different names? Like they have a legal entity and they do business under another name. Do you search several different names? Yes, it can get technical sometimes in the search strings. Um, You know, in some cases they are Lampo Group, comma, the, and in some cases they are the Lampo Group or, you know, just Lampo Group or Ramsey Solutions or, you know. David L. Ramsey III. And so searching all of those, you know, kind of covers all the bases. Now, what's interesting about this one is that Dave himself is named personally as a defendant in this. Yes. If Now, I can't imagine a case where they would have named him, but not the company. But if you weren't looking for Dave's name and they had only named him, you might not have, it might not have popped up. Right, have- right. And most of the other cases that we've talked about and that I write about, have not sued Dave personally. There is one exception and that is the Amos case. And it's an employment 
case, but also uh, names Dave personally for for a number of different theories under there. So that's different than the basis for that. You know, it's similar, but in this case, it was Dave himself who was making these representations. Uh, and, and we'll get into that yeah. more specifically, but, but let's do, you know. let's talk about, this is really interesting because it's been, people don't know, like we have been aware that something had happened with this advertiser or sponsor of the, of, of the Ramsey show that Dave had promoted extensively timeshare exit team. That was what they did business under, um, Legally, Reed Hind, is that mm-hmm. the name of it? Reed, um, Reed Hind. Reed, Reed Hind. Um, and this came to, it was even on like national, like inside edition about two or three years ago now. Um, I don't remember. I think it was 2020 maybe. So it might've been. No, 20... it was 2021. Oh yeah. 2021. That's right. Cause I remember being, and it was like summertime. It was mm-hmm. actually around this very same time of year because the footage in there was Lisa Guerrero trying to get a statement from Dave while he was at the Entree Leadership Summit, which actually happens every year this time of year. It happened just this last week. And it was in Nashville this year, but at the time it was in Dallas. And so part of that was her trying to get a statement from him. So it's just crazy that it's been almost exactly two years. And And at the time you had some theories, like maybe something else would come of this. So let's talk about that. Yeah. I um I discussed this actual type of case that this is what could happen and based on the statements that were being made by the Washington Attorney General in that case you know I really thought that, that this was a possibility that yeah that this so two years well, ago if, what was happening two years ago that came in the news I guess I, maybe I should rewind right. to that. So as background, um, there was a sponsor, an advertiser at Ramsey Solutions on the radio show, the podcasts, uh, it seems like on their website, possibly in print materials at events called uh, Timeshare Exit Team. And if people aren't familiar, timeshares are where people pay money and they get kind of certain weeks of vacation or certain points, but then they also have to pay a fee uh, each year to use that. And the theory goes that fee is generally less than what it would cost you to rent out a place like that because you're paying a bunch of money up front. Yeah. But it's still a not insignificant fee. Yeah. And there's generally high pressure sales tactics that are used when people buy those and they're on a trip. And th- there's been a lot of exposure about the unsavory things that happen. Um, and can happen in the timeshare industry to get people involved in those. So a lot of people have regret afterwards and, or they don't use it. They didn't understand how to use it. And so they want to get out of that contract. So then there developed a whole other industry called timeshare exit uh, programs or companies. And so this company, Reed Hine, which I believe is a combination of the names of the two founders, they, according to court documents, were gutter salesmen, and they saw long lines uh, at timeshare uh, tables or timeshare exit tables, I'm not sure, and they decided to get into the timeshare exit business. So they developed this company called Timeshare Exit Team. It sounds like they were chugging along, and then at some point, they got connected to Ramsey Solutions, went on his radio show, uh, and then they became a sponsor and developed some deal 
with Ramsey Solutions. And that's part of what interests me as well, because I was a business attorney for many years. And so Mm -hmm. I kind of know what should have gone into a deal like that, that would generate that type of cash and that type of exposure and what type of due diligence and work and research and effort and contractual provisions should go into a deal like that. Yeah. So now, whether, on- they, whether they did, yeah. that's the question. So as an onlooker if or an on-listener, if somebody had been listening to the show, maybe starting in around 2016-ish until 2020-21, um, you would have probably heard, often heard references to timeshare exit team. Yes. I, I heard Dave say, you know, talk about them. And I heard them promoted on the show. This is the way, these are the people that can help you get out of your timeshares. And in 2021, we found out that the state of Washington, is that right? Was going after timeshare exit team, alleging that they were not getting people out of their timeshares. Is that, is that sound right? Correct. And the interesting part is Dave Ramsey railed so much about how timeshares were a scam and how they took your money and how they, you know, wouldn't let you out of the contract. And these are literally the same exact same patterns Mm -hmm. that timeshare exit team was then accused of doing and that, that the plaintiffs now have alleged that they did. So the Washington state attorney general filed a Consumer Protection Act case against them in 2021. But that was after a number of other cases, both from timeshare companies and from clients of timeshare exit team had sued them and alleged that they're engaging in these practices. Yeah, they were taking and money so, from people and they were not getting right. what they thought they were supposed to be getting out of timeshare exit team. Right. And they wouldn't give them, they, they suppose one of the big things that was in the advertisement uh, all the advertisements on uh, the Ramsey website and, you know, podcast was they have a money back guarantee. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, give them your money because if they don't do it, you are going to get your money back. And so that was a lot of the allegations as well is that, no, they were telling people, you know, you have to go through this for three years and all these stipulations have to have occurred before you get your money back. And most people were not getting their money back is, mm. is at least what's been alleged. So the Washington attorney general attorney general brought this consumer protection act case and it proceeded along and discovery occurred. And at one point they wanted to depose uh, Dave Ramsey, which if, if people aren't familiar our deposition, as you and I both know, because we were deposed by yep. Ramsey solutions, yep. um, they wanted to, so a deposition is where, you know, it's kind of like when you see someone on a stand and people are asking them questions, but it's what happens well before that in order to discover a lot of the information and to um, find out what you're going to say and, and what your responses are to these questions. And you're, and uh, yes, you're under oath. uh, So you can be um, uh, commit perjury and, you know, be charged with that if you lie and that's proven later on. So um, they were prepared to depose Dave. It had been ordered by actually a local Williamson County judge. They had to go through a subpoena here locally that yes, he should submit to a deposition. And that's happened a couple other times. He he really does not want to be deposed. Yeah. And what happened after that, he was ordered to be deposed 
and the case settled via consent decree within a couple weeks thereafter. And so before he ended up being deposed, uh, at least as far as we know. Okay. And uh, so I always had a little theory about that's really the timing of that is very interesting. Yeah. And so that was settled and they were ordered to pay um, timeshare exit team was ordered to uh, pay a certain amount of money to retract a lot of these statements that they had made um, and, you know, a bunch of stipulations. And one of the questions I had was, you know, Dave had also engaged in a number of statements about what was happening. And I, I thought, well, I wonder if they going to order him to also, he at one point alleged um, suggested that, that the Washington attorney general had been taken, had taken a bribe basically. Yeah. And that they were in bed with the timeshare industry and all of these things um, that were um, pretty extreme. Yeah. And as far as we know, um, that video is still up on YouTube. Yeah. What's interesting and, is that, um, yeah, the timeshare industry is full of crooks, um, full of people that are doing sketchy things. But just because that is true, doesn't mean that it can't also be true that the people that are claiming to be the ones to get you out of those, it could also be true that they are also crooks and they're also taking yes. advantage of people. So they, they were, they were crooks too. They, right. they were taking advantage of people that were very vulnerable and had already been taken advantage of. It makes it even worse. It does. Um, yeah. To say, you know, because, and, and here's the, you know, the thing that, um, Dave seemed to engage in, in, in that type of video, which is very black and white thinking, which if you're familiar with, um, unhealthy situations and narcissism, things like that, black and white thinking is very common, like good guy, bad guy, yeah, you know? And so the timeshare industry was the bad guys. Yeah. And Kate, it's because they're the bad guy. The timeshare exit team couldn't be the the good guys. guys, Right. Right. Which Which we know both can be true. They can both be Bad guys. Bad guys. <laughs> yeah. There, there's bad guys all around in this situation. And they and you know, they got some people out allegedly. I think some people did get somehow got out of their timeshares, but it sounds like the majority of people uh were left languishing, continuing to be billed. It was not what they thought the service they thought they were getting is not what they got. And so when this all happened and got settled. Um, with Washington state, you, you started to surmise, I wonder if something else will come of it that impacts right. Dave. Well, there were statements made by the Washington attorney general about, you know, in, especially in the motion to compel Dave to submit to a deposition that, you know, his endorsement of them and, you know, what they said about them was an instrumentality of their ability to commit fraud. And, you know, there were just a couple quotes where I said, "Mm, oh, this is this is not a leap that these because these aggrieved plaintiffs are not going to get all that money back from Reed Hine or Timeshare Exit Team. Uh, There's there's just too much missing money. And Timeshare Exit Team paid Ramsey Solutions a lot of money to do those endorsements and advertisements. And it is not a leap. Um, when I see these statements about what caused what, or the issue of causation for these plaintiffs to then, um, and their attorneys, you know, very smartly seek to go after Ramsey solutions for that money. 
two years ago, it was really compelling to hear those voices on Inside Edition talking about how they had been loyal listeners of the Dave Ramsey show and they trusted Dave. Yeah. These are not, these are not um, upset. You know, I think we're often called, you know, um, you know, upset ex-employees yeah, disgruntled or disgruntled yeah. ex-spouses. These are, and, these are super you know. fans. Yeah, yeah. These were super fans. They had his, and this is all in the complaint yeah. for this class action suit. Um, they had his books. Some went to events, went through financial peace at their church, um, you know, listened to the radio show and the podcast. These were like invested fans mm-hmm. and clearly so because they took his endorsement Yeah, and, paid, you know, some between 4,000, one of the named plaintiffs in the class action paid over $40,000 to timeshare exit team. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, this spring is this, was it in April when this was, this class action was filed? You just discovered it this last week Mm -hmm. and you weren't surprised. No, I mean, it was, I was, the timing surprised you. Yes. I was, I would have expected it to happen sooner mm-hmm. because I could kind of see the writing on it, you know, when that actually happened in 2021 and then that settled and nothing had gone on. And so I would have expected it to happen sooner. So two years later, you know, I'm sitting here and searching for cases and all of a sudden, you know, stumble upon this case. I'm like this is, this is the thing. This yeah. is it. It's here. And it is a very well-written complaint. Uh, you know, as, as an attorney myself and yes. as a writer, I can be critical sometimes of other attorneys' work, especially like how they write and support their case with, you know, allegations and evidence. Mm-hmm. So and, what do you see in the, as the strengths of this filing and the lawyer work here? Well, you know, backing up uh, how class actions work, and, and I'm not a class action attorney, obviously, but you know, I have um, a general understanding as an attorney and I worked as a a clerk on the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals. So we, you know, looked at and researched and and listened to argument and wrote opinions on lots of different types of cases, including class actions. So um, how it works is there are named plaintiffs in a class action and they um, represent the types of all the types of people who might have been uh, injured in that similar way. So for something to be a class action and to be certified, which is would be the next step uh, that we're looking at, uh, it has to have claims that would require similar proof. So similar circumstances, and then the defenses of the defendants or multiple defendants would be similar for you know most of these types of, of people. So if if a fact pattern is very factually intense and dependent, like, you know, they said this statement to me and they may not have said that to other people, or they did this, you know, it's harder to have a class action case for that because everybody's individual situation would be different. But if, you know, there's certain criteria to to look at that the court will look at as to whether or not to certify this. And some of those are like this, you know, similar, fact patterns and claims, similar defenses, that it would be in situations for class actions, it's usually a situation where um, the the claimant amount, the amount 
for any individual person is small enough that it's not really fruitful Mm -hmm. to go after that small amount. And so you really have to bring all the people together to make, you know, it worthwhile for attorneys and for the people to actually go after that money. And so, you know, would someone sue Dave Ramsey, a multi-millionaire with lots of power and influence for $5,000? No, they're not going to. But if you had 10,000 people um, who each, you know, had lost $5,000, that's generally when you're looking at a class action. So this, so one of the strengths was that the, the different people uh, that they had in here did represent um, some of the different slices and flavors of people who would have been aggrieved by timeshare exit team. You know, there's some different amounts of money. Um, you know, all of these people got their endorsement um, and how they, it seems how they heard about it was from Dave. And that's why they did it is that they trusted him. Mm-hmm. They seem very salt of the earth people. So the, the complaint does a good job of humanizing those plaintiffs. Yeah. You know, we have long haul truck drivers. We have um, a medical technologist. We have people who, you know, plant their garden while they listen to Dave Ramsey. And um, so it does a good job of humanizing them and then connecting that to why they trusted him and, you know, how they were then harmed and, you know, the theories of the case. So um, it was very well organized and, and did a great job of humanizing the people. Yeah. I read over it a little bit myself, not all of it. And I thought, wow, like this isn't like I was interested. It was interesting to read and not just a bunch of legal words that I didn't understand. I'm like, all these are real people, Mm -hmm. real jobs that spent a lot of time listening to Dave and trusted him. Um, So I want to ask you, you had alluded to this earlier I mean, a lot of people have endorsements on their shows, uh, their YouTube channels, or, you know, run commercials. Uh, wh- what is the problem with that? Um, what kind of liability is there for the person that runs though, that takes that endorsement? Um, what is your understanding of what kind of is standard and what broke down here? So there's a couple unique aspects to this case that it will probably turn on. Yeah. Um, The first question will be, you know, what did they actually know or should they have known? So looking at the the contract and what due diligence. So due diligence in a business deal is the research that you do to be assured that you're getting what you're paying for and that they are who they say they are. And so, you know, what did they do in this, you know, do they do even basic looking to see whether this company could do what and was doing what they said they were doing, um, had the ability to, that it was legal or illegal. So one of the allegations is that, um, some of the statements on their website were not true. And so, you know, did, did Ramsey know that actively or should they have known that? And then as the investigation started happening and these allegations were being made that, hey, they're they're um, committing, you know, fraud or, um, you know, lying about what they're doing. They're not qualified. All these different things. Did Ramsey know that or should they have known that? And then also in the style of Dave's endorsement, um, you know, 
there's, there's two parts of that one, you know, I, I believe I remember he said things like I personally endorse them. I trust them. So, uh, you know, later on, he'll probably want to say, well, that was in my, that was the company or that was in my capacity as a, you know, as a personality or an employee, but Dave fills a lot of roles at that company. And so using words like that is, you know, that can be very problematic. Another aspect is whether they disclosed certain things as part of that endorsement. You know, um, there's certain requirements, whether it's from the, um, the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, or, you know, other places about when you receive money. Um, and, and you may have seen things on TV commercials like so-and-so is a paid endorsement or, you yeah. know, they are an actor um, portraying a story. So there's certain those, those, it's not because people want to tell you that they're required to tell you those kinds yeah. of things. So did Ramsey and Dave personally comply with the requirements? And so sometimes there can be a theory where if you don't comply with certain requirements that, um, that that is then a de facto, which means almost like automatic problem. Yeah. Well, and, and it means you're exposed, you have more liability and exposure. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, FTC has gotten involved because they had seen problems in the past where people had been harmed because they weren't careful with what they had said. And so this is meant to protect the consumer, but it could also protect the business or the entity or the person yeah. that is saying, Hey, this person is sponsoring the show or, and even saying sponsoring the show probably came from some FTC filing at some point where people were like, why does Melissa always randomly talk about how much she loves this, you know, X, Y, Z thing, but she never right. ever said that she got paid all these to say that. And right. so this is why you always hear brought to you by, or a sponsor of, and companies often will give you a script or they'll want to preview what the person is saying. Um, so they can say, oh yeah, that's actually true. (laughs) You're representing what we have agreed to in our contract and the liability for us is taken care of. And they're going to assume that you are taking care of your own liability as well. Right. Usually both sides of that kind of transaction have attorneys yeah. Who review and people can rail about attorneys all they want. Yes. Um, we, you know, can slow things down, it can be bureaucratic, uh, but they usually review those things to make sure they're each complying with their legal obligations. Yeah. So, for example, um, in one of the famous cases, Elizabeth Holmes mm-hmm. um was, you know, convicted of lots of different crimes. <laughs> Uh, recently related to a a blood testing company that she had started. And if you listen to podcasts or read books about that, you know, she wanted to say a lot of things about what she thought her technology could do. And most of which we now know are not true, Uh, but people within her company, and then also people within the um, advertising and marketing company that was going to be putting that out there had people reviewing those statements to make sure that they had a legitimate basis and yeah. that they had the proof in the file that those statements um, that would support those statements. 
So that will be a question, you know, in here is, you know, what proof did we have for these? What things to support? Even was an examination even done? Yeah. Were there attorneys looking at any of this stuff? Yeah. Um, so it's going to be a very interesting case to watch. Yeah. People who have been followers of Dave know that he often promotes and has like his like Ramsey approved financial coach or a, you know, talk to one of our smart vester pros. I think, do they have those? Uh, and they talk about the Ramsey trusted where you reach out yeah. to the Ramsey trusted part of the organization and they will connect you to people that the Ramsey organization endorses. And so I think this brings up a really interesting question is what does it mean to be endorsed? What does it mean to have the Ramsey endorsement? Dave personally yeah. saying he endorses them or the company saying that they endorse them. Um, is that specifically delineated anywhere for everybody to understand what that means as a consumer? What is their understanding? Is their understanding well, that they have, that these, these companies and people have been vetted by Dave right. and, or the company themselves. And so I mean, there are a couple of op options here of what happened with the timeshare exit team. And one is Dave or whomever was in charge did the vetting and it was they, they didn't see anything. Or they just were like, hey, this is a great opportunity for all of us. Let's sign on it. Or they did the they did the vetting initially. And then later on, they just sort of were hands off and didn't pay any attention. Now, it's my understanding there are allegations that after that endorsement started, people had reached out to the company and said they were having trouble with their relationship with Timeshare Exit Team. They were not being served. These are allegations that I've heard. I'm sure they will be addressed in the, the lawsuit. And so what happens then? What kind of responsibility? I mean, yeah. and, and the complaint, and that initial filing has this, this timeline listed that said, while these concerns were being raised about timeshare exit team, Dave was endorsing them for money. While this right. was burning down, Dave was endorsing them for money. And then while this was happening, Dave was endorsing them for money and all yes. these things very effective were different um, levels of how easy you could see they were happening. Um, now for a quick break. Now back to the show. Well, it's and one really of the things that com the complaint doesn't talk about, and it's not, uh, there's, there's a reason that they wouldn't talk about this there, but at least you and I have previously talked about this is this seems to possibly be part of a pattern. So years ago, we had looked at the um, the ELP program, and uh, which was is now called, I think, Ramsey Trusted. And people did not seem to realize that one, it, it's it's not clear that these people were actually vetted in any in any significant way. Uh, although they said, you know, these are the people we trust; these are, you know, the heart of a teacher. And but, and there, there didn't seem to be any standards for those actual things or any investigation into those actual things. And then there also didn't seem to be disclosure to the people that if if you are giving us your name and we're giving it to these people, we are getting paid for that. We are getting paid to give them to give your name to them, and or we are being paid um, a portion of what you might be paying them in the back end. And that is on the realtor side. Yeah. This was not uh, there. I never saw any disclosure on the website related to um, 
the realtor uh, transactions that we then learned that the, the real estate agents were having to pay a percentage of, of their transactions that they closed that were referred to them by Ramsey Solutions back to Ramsey Solutions. Mm-hmm. And um, at least my understanding is, is that the way that that worked was because Dave had uh, his uh, real estate license and that that was essentially kind of a fee split. Um, you know, again, I'm I'm getting into territory that is is not my area yeah. of law, but this is yeah. my understanding of what happened. And really some of that only came to light because of an earlier case, the PAFRAF case, where a real estate agent in California who had a YouTube channel entered into that program and uh, realized so they were a number. He infiltrated. He infiltrated and realized they were a number of these significant problems. And then he did a, he did YouTube videos about it and revealed a lot of this and they other people. And it was taken down. Yeah. They've been taken down. They, I think they settled a deal. Yeah. Ramsey actually sued him, got an ex parte um, restraining order, which is like outside of him even being involved. They went to a judge. The judge said, I'm going to restrain him from speaking about any of this stuff. And then they slapped him with that. And he actually, I think, he showed the cease and desist letter on his YouTube yeah. channel, which was fascinating. I remember seeing that. I remember right. seeing that like right that week, that like November of 2018. Yeah. You, uh, that was as, as my stuff was all going down, that was happening. Yeah. And it was this crazy situation because people had never talked publicly about the fact that these real estate agents, if they get the name from Ramsey Solutions, they are then having to essentially kick back um, a portion, you know, as we real estate agents generally get, there's a 6% total on a transaction that's usually split between, you know, the buyer and the seller's agent, they each get 3%. And then they're having to kick back a not insignificant portion of that uh, to Ramsey solutions. And that had never been talked about publicly. Yeah. And I never saw any disclosures related to that on the website or in, in any public information or places where you would enter your name, um, looking for a real estate agent on the Ramsey yeah. Solutions website. I'm not sure what I could say. My husband worked in the endorsed local provider area, so I will let you speak to your thoughts on that. But I would say, you know, anybody could go and look on the Dave Ramsey website to see the sort of uh, business, like what is public out there about who he endorses and how you get um, connected with those people and then ask some questions. Um, how do you think it works? Who's benefiting? Um, and I, I mean, I think there are a lot of assumptions out there that I don't know if people really know how it works. So I think it's worth right. asking the questions and it it is relevant to this discussion of like, right. what does it mean to have that endorsement and what do the, what is a reasonable assumption of your typical person who's listening to Dave like an average person who isn't spending a lot of time thinking about how this works. They're just thinking, I hear this person. They say they endorse this person. This is what I hear. And this is, this is how I'm moving forward with, with this assumption based on the information that was given. So that's different than like, sorry, that's different than just like an advertiser. Like if you have a TV show, the commercial comes on, it's an advertiser you know that they're trying to sell you something. So when the lines really get blurred about, you know, when the the personality is, you know, endorsing 
that person or, or that product person comes on the air as a guest on the show. And it's not clear that, you know, that there's a money exchange happening there. um, That's where it can get problematic. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, Dave's own uh, studio is named after, I'm assuming a sponsor, as you say, it's sponsored or brought to you from the dollar car rental studio. It's no longer that they must not be giving money to Dave anymore. Um, Now it is like the pods moving in storage studio. And so that the name of the studio seems to be for sale as an advertising thing. Um, I don't know. It's really interesting. Like, I don't know if I'm a typical person because, you know, of, of having a lot of information from, you know, being so close to the situation there of what a normal person would, a typical person would think when they hear that and see that. So I I think those arguments will be made in the class action of what should these people have understood and what would they have no way, what what would have been a reasonable thing for them? Um, Here is an argument that I heard two years ago when Dave was saying timeshare exit, the timeshare industry is terrible. Um, this is just the timeshare company, you know, flexing and, you know, this isn't really that the timeshare exit team is bad. I remember him saying they just grew too fast. We sent them too Mm. many customers and then they couldn't keep up. The problem was they were so successful that two things happened. One is there are two young guys running a business, and it's hard to scale a business that fast, and they got where they weren't returning calls that great, so we're jumping on them because we're hearing complaints because timeshare won't call us back, timeshare won't call us back from the customer. That's not okay, and it was just because of sheer volume of business. That sheer volume of business excuse fails to take into account that if they were too swamped to serve all the people who came to them for help, why did Timeshare Exit Team continue to take money from new customers? I'd love to hear Dave explain why that was okay. That's the argument. I actually even right. saw somebody push back with that online this week when somebody shared uh, one of the articles that came out this week. Well, and there's a couple problems with that. One, the the intent or the reason generally doesn't matter in the face of the facts. If they didn't provide what they contracted to provide to these people. It doesn't matter why Yeah, they didn't provide they, a contract. There's not really like a, um, Oh, I had a good excuse unless there's actual excuses in the contract. It's like, you're paying me this money. I'm going to do this. And, you know, it doesn't matter if, you know, they had all this other business and they didn't have enough time and, you know, et cetera. It was an interesting argument to make because I didn't understand why they would even be worried about defending timeshare exit team at this point. I would have thought by that point, things are on fire. He should have been saying more smart things to protect himself and the company. If I was his lawyer and, you know, thankfully I'm not. (laughs) But I, I, I know his lawyers and, um, I, there are so many points over the last three years that I would have been having a heart attack and I would have wanted to muzzle him and like explain to him how he is damaging his own case. Like, this is what we find, right? That. Um, people who are, 
it's hubris and people who are arrogant and unhealthy end up outing themselves because they just cannot keep their mouth shut. And the idea that Dave, uh, in the middle of all of this two years ago, you know, said, you know, that uh, the statement he said was that, you know, when, when we endorse them, their business exploded. To say that their business exploded when I came on the air and told people timeshare exit team will get you out is an understatement. Their business skyrocketed over the next few years. Literally, that, that is like exhibit A of why the, he should the, have the connection some... to the causation in this in this case. Why there should and be some I, liability. I heard that and was like, oh my gosh, if I was his lawyer, I would be dying. And I think I actually wrote that in the in the article on me that I wrote about this case, I would have died if I was his lawyer after that statement. And then he goes on to say, you know, um, come at me. I'm sitting in a 30, you know, or a $300 million paid for building. And I'm, and and I'm just like, oh my, oh my gosh. I, yeah, I feel, I really do feel bad for his lawyers because when you have a client like that, I mean, it's no different than having Donald Trump as a client. Yeah, You cannot control them. They don't want to be controlled because they want to control things. And they just, um, unless you can control them and get them to realize that they are shooting themselves in the foot, your job is so incredibly difficult. Yeah. Yeah. And Dave's going to be like, listen, somebody's going to listen to this podcast and they're going to be like, Melissa's not telling the truth. She doesn't know these lawyers. She knows lawyers that work for Dave. <laughs> She, yes. as far as I know, you do not know who he hired to be the class action. Lawsuit. No, it's a large, it's a larger firm as it should be. I mean, yeah. it's, and you're, but you have known his general counsel. I mean, you used to work at the same place as general counsel worked at and the every day that, we actually were in the same department, saw yeah. each other every day, worked together on deals. Mm-hmm. Um, his outside lawyer in that case, we went to college, small college together, also worked together at the yeah. same firm. So it's this very weird <laughs> dynamic. And those were the two lawyers that questioned us. Um, when we were deposed by Ramsey yeah, Solutions, yeah. it was, it was very bizarre. Um, it was like to know that but, you had some sort of like, you know, them, they know you. Yeah. It's yeah. Crazy. Um, and you know, it was really weird. Cause I wanted to be like, are we not going to talk about the elephant in the room here? <laughs> um, but yeah. you know, but I, I, I feel for them as attorneys that and they the, are in a very difficult situation. And a, a lawyer with integrity will do their very best to defend their their client to the best of their ability under their legal obligations yes. and their, their ethical obligations. And so there is no shame in that. Now there is shame in being in, in tact in different tactics. I would say yes. you don't have, yeah. you don't have to be an intimidating jerk. No, I mean, um, I think there's certain tactics that they yeah. use, like the, the cease and desist letter that you question the, the, our the, other friends, the tone, it was, it was very, it did not need to be that way. Yeah. Um, and then also the attorney that Ramsey used um, when I subpoenaed things from them in, in my divorce, yeah. you know, blatantly lied yeah. to the judge. Now, yeah. do I think Ramsey probably lied to him and he may not have known he was lying to the judge? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, we can slice that a lot of ways, but um, there was, you know, yeah. significant deception in court, like in the actual case. All right. So I have to say this because yes, the lawyer world is, is small. Um, and I'm assuming there will be discussion about how Amy and Melissa are 
you know, coming after the company. And are you part of some plan where you have been like, you made this lawsuit happen? No, no, I, I don't know. I just want to ask the attorney. I don't know the attorneys in this yeah. case. I have never spoken to them um, or emailed with them as far as I know. <laughs> yeah. um, so I, I do not know them. Um, but I think any good attorney yeah. would have read a couple things in the in that from the case in 2021 and go and said, Oh, this is a theory of a new case. I mean, you, you don't have to be a stellar attorney to have read that and go, Oh, well that my next step would be, there'd be a class action suit against Ramsey solutions. Yeah. Um, yeah. I found that in 2021. Yeah. Well, and the person and the lawyer that was on inside edition, one of them that was speaking about the case ends up, he is involved in this lawsuit. So it right. sounds like before we even knew about any of this stuff happening, there was a lawyer um, walking with, 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 um, individuals had been impacted by timeshare exit team for several years. So I just wanted to, to ask that in case the theory is that I am the mastermind behind this. I have nothing to do with this. We are fascinating or fascinating. We think it's fascinating. And, and, you know, I, I have said this many times, like I look at situations like this, especially when you look at the faith context and, um, you know, when, when I was in my situation with Ramsey solutions and, you know, they sought to intimidate and control and, you know, put me under a gag order and all of these things, you know, I pleaded and cried with God to see my situation and, yeah. and do something. Um, and I would have never imagined that it would play out. You know, I would have never imagined that they would have the hubris to fire a woman who was pregnant um, while they were still covering up um, the situation with my now ex-husband. Yeah. Um, and, you know, things just slowly keep being revealed. And I've said a lot, you know, I feel like I'm in the stands I'm watching God in the arena, play this out, play out this justice that, you know, I have cried out for, um, and and not justice for me, even necessarily justice for the people who have been harmed collectively by their choices, justice for the deception that is happening for how the Christian faith is being portrayed in that context and the control, uh, of people, um, and their voice. And, you know, one of the things we haven't talked about on here, but I've, I've written about, and you've spoken about is the fact that our understanding is now that all the employees at Ramsey solutions are under a non-disparagement and, and in some ways, non-disclosure agreement. Um, they're under forced arbitration, so they can't ever sue the company for any employment yeah. things or, you know, and, um, they can't, uh, you know, leave and compete or solicit anybody. I mean, these are extreme measures Mm -hmm. to control uh, the employees that work at your company that you are calling family and that you say you care about and share the same faith. I mean, these are very extreme controlling uh, tactics that are very abnormal. And so, you know, I care about these people, many of whom don't even realize they're being controlled in very unhealthy ways. Yeah. So much empathy for those. There are a lot of people with good character 
that work at Ramsey mm-hmm. as well. I mean, there's people that have no character, bad character that work there, but I would say there's a really good percentage of people that just really thought they were getting involved in a, a good mission and are good people. Yeah. And mm-hmm. some of those people are unaware. Some of them are becoming aware and they feel sick about it and they just don't know what they can do. Um, especially the, now that they have signed away a lot of things that they don't even understand. So I feel, I feel for them. Like if my husband were still there, how sick to my stomach would I be right now? I would be so sick to my stomach, like stuck and unsure what to do. But the reality Um, is when, when we see this done, when we see this level of control, like continue to be clamped down further and further. So for example, like in the Harvey Weinstein case Mm -hmm. where they used NDAs to silence people for many, many years about allegations, you know, you don't need NDAs unless you have something to hide and keep quiet. And so as much as I hate all of what is happening to people, um, the more that's clamped down, the more people will feel that that's what's happening and realize that's what's happening. And, you know, and in the end, these things bust wide open people break their NDAs because there's a groundswell of, of, of realization of what has been happening to them. And when people also think, um, nobody will talk or nobody will tell the, the disgusting stuff that is happening gets worse and worse. And again, at some point God will (laughs) allow it to all expose itself. And I'm, I'm fully confident in that. If you were to surmise what you would think Ramsey would be attempting to do or communicate next, what what do you expect to see from them? Um, you know, there's the if they're smart, if they're not smart. <laughs> um, uh, let's just if say I, if, if they're what yeah. they have done in the past, if they follow the same pattern of what we've seen, I think they will work hard to ignore. Um, you know, what's going on in the press or, you know, and, and hopefully keep their employees quiet. And what happens is when, when they constantly psychologically manipulate people to not take in outside information, then the only place they're getting information is internally. And so they're going to spin the narrative internally. You know, this is persecution. This is lies. This is normal business practices, which, you know, uh, we've already been through the different ways that this is abnormal Mm -hmm. um, and potentially even more so depending on, you know, the specific facts. Um, So that's what I expect is an internal narrative spin, um, more control and, um, you know, quiet publicly is, is probably what I'm expecting Um, and privately internally telling mm -hmm. people they're being uh, persecuted for the sake of, because they're trying to follow Jesus and honor Jesus. This is a, yeah. And and then we're still right. And then we're still waiting on these other cases, Mm -hmm. you know, in the O'Connor case, which if people are familiar that the employee who got pregnant and was, was fired, um, we're still waiting for a trial date Mm -hmm. for that and a ruling, on um, on a summary judgment motion mm-hmm. and then we have a trial date in the Amos case which is in January 2024 and we're waiting on a ruling on a motion to dismiss in that case so that should be coming out soon and it, you know um 
there may be, you know, additional discovery, I think, in the Amos case. And Dave is supposed to sit for a deposition uh, by the end of June in that case as well. Man, I was also thinking about what we saw in the way that um, Ramsey himself or Ramsey surrogates, his lawyers, um, leadership there worked with or against um, the other lawyers on other sides of of lawsuits. And it seems like they are not opposed to uh, nitpicking at things, wordsmithing. If the lawyers are not very like extremely specific about what they're asking uh, in like discovery, Mm -hmm. Ramsey will intentionally, it seems. Yeah. Obfuscation is the word that I commonly use. Um, The level of obfuscation and, um, you know, that went on in that case. And just, you know, and I think the great thing is that when people start challenging this and it's exposed to, you know, to third parties there, it's so validating when those third parties say, no, this is a problem and this is wrong and you can't do this. So like when a federal judge says, Hey, you can't, you you can't do that. That argument doesn't fly here. When when somebody is so used to getting away with that and so used to controlling the narrative and bullying people into their, into submission and into their position um, underneath them, you know, it is great to have a federal judge who says, no, you can't, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, one of the things that was really difficult for me in my situation with a local judge is because Ramsey Solutions is well known in our community as a Christian employer. Yeah. A local judge, you know, what seemed to happen is, you know, when something is said, the local judge doesn't consider that they might be blatantly lied to. Yeah. Because you you have this impression of, well, this is a Christian company. And so you don't even, and I mean, that's even what happens personally. Like if you have never encountered Mm -hmm. people who in your life, who are pathological liars, Um, you don't expect that someone will look you in the eye and lie to you until you have experienced that at a deep level. And and sadly, then it makes you suspicious for a long time. But, um, you know, if you've never experienced that, you you don't expect somebody to lie to you, much less if that's a Christian company or a Christian personality. And so, you know, a local judge here in Williamson County struggles more to make room in their brain for the fact that they might be lied to by, you know, Ramsey solutions or their lawyers, whereas a federal judge is a little more jaded. Um, and you know, that's not their instinct that they're being lied to a little bit more separated from the situation. Right. Right. And they can't be, um, influenced in the same way that a local elected judge, you know, might be who runs possibly in some similar social circles as as a lot of, or pop, you know, in my case, the judge, the judge, judge actually represented them in private practice prior to becoming a judge. So, um, you know, it's the federal court system and the, um, transparency and the access to documents, um, is a good check and balance. Um, you know, sunlight is the best of disinfectants. And so now now that we have so many different cases that have been playing out this lawyer that is overseeing as a part of the class action with the plaintiffs 
can see all the ways that Ramsey has responded, obfuscated, stonewalled um, Mm -hmm. you with your, with your, even with discovery, with your, your divorce. Like oh, that information it, is out real. there, right? That is, that yeah. information is out there. You ask one, your lawyer and you put together some questions. They answered different questions than you asked. Mm-hmm. They, they quibbled about what certain words actually meant. Like, what does a file actually mean? I don't remember what the word was, but it was. Right. What is ridiculous. a document? Um, like, uh, like, if you have any documents and they were like, well, what's the definition of a document? Like, that is the sort of thing you have to like list all the documents that could possibly exist. Yeah. It, and yeah, so they can look at that. They can look at what's happening with O'Connor. They can look at the Amos case. Mm-hmm. They can look at the Paprath case. They can see all these ways. And so this person has more information. And yeah. then, I mean, they're starting out in a really strong position. So I think it will be interesting to watch. Now, the wheels of justice do not move quickly. No. And when it comes to class action with lots and lots of people involved, what is your understanding about like timeline for this sort of thing? Well, I mean, we look at the O'Connor case and that's now been going on for years. Um, it was filed know, class... in the summer of 2020. I think so. I think yeah. you're right. Um, and so, you know, it can be longer than that. And that's one, now, most, one, that's mo- one plaintiff. Yeah. And most class actions are settled, but, but also most cases are settled yeah. um, and settled earlier on. So often class actions are settled after the class is certified so, um, you know, when, what does it mean to have a class certified? Um, so that's where, you know, that'll be one of the first steps, um, you know, in the case is they'll seek certification of the class. And that's where the judge looks at that criteria and says, okay, these plaintiffs are similar enough. These claims are similar enough. The defenses would be similar enough. Um, and this is appropriate to be treated, Okay. Um, this fits in what a way. needs to be a class action. Right. And so okay. if it's certified, then that's where you see these advertisements. So there's two places where you might see those kinds of advertisements after, after it's certified and they're looking for additional plaintiffs um, or after there's a proposed settlement where they say, you know, you can file a claim against this settlement and, and get paid. So, um, you know, that'll be probably the first fight is this, um, you know, certification of the class and, or there might even be a fight before even, then. Even, it, you know, th- that is going to be just devastatingly, uh, it's going to be a devastating blow to uh, Dave and Ramsey Solutions. The fact that it, if this class gets certified, there's going to be lots and lots of things on the radio, maybe even places, yeah, uh, networks that he has his yeah. own list that his own show is on. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine that a... there will be an advertisement or some sort of thing on there that says if yeah. you have been a part of this, you may be eligible for right uh, to be a part of this class action. Like, yeah. Did you follow Dave Ramsey's advice to use timeshare exit team to try to get out of your timeshare? And even if it's not on like during his show, it'll be on, you know, his his listeners that Conservative listen to other radio. places, it'll be, yeah, that's where they would have those mm-hmm. things on there and uh, people are going to ask questions and they're going to that information that that is happening is going to be inescapable and, well, and if, i don't know how dave shuts that down before that happens i would imagine if he'd you like to if you look at the calculations in the um claim so here i think there were 17 plaintiff named plaintiffs that were you know theoretically representative and they said that the class could be the class of plaintiffs could be 10,000 plaintiffs 
So um, if you took um, 10,000 plaintiffs, if that's appropriate, and you said, you know, the average plaintiff paid um, time charts a team $5,000. Um, you know, like I said, we had some in there that were 4,000 something and some were up to 40,000, you know, so, but let's, let's say it was 5,000. Um, and there were 10,000 plaintiffs. I believe that number is then 50 million. And one of the things they asked for was treble damages. So there are certain, um, you know, criteria for when you um, would be able to achieve like triple the damages. And so it says in there specifically treble damages, you know, at least $150 million. And so that's, this is, this is why um, class action suits are often settled because when you put that number of claimants, and this is part of why they have class actions, because again, nobody's going to sue Dave Ramsey, multimillionaire and his company for $5,000 that they lost, even though that was a significant amount for many of these salt of the earth people who listened to Dave Ramsey for financial advice. But when you put them all together and that's how you, that's part of the check and balance on the system that you keep companies um, accountable and keep them from doing stuff like this. Um, If all they do this to one person, they could get away with it, you know, because who's going to, but when you put all these people together, then it um, that's a big motivator. Yeah. There's, there's more power, there's power in numbers. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think we have talked about this, but what does it mean that Dave is being personally named and not just the Lampo group? That's the legal name of the company of like, that is over uh, the Dave Ramsey show, all the places that use that sponsor of the timeshare exit team. What does that, what does it mean? Like his name is on there by himself, not just the company. Yes. So that would be personal liability of, of Dave personally, if that is successful. Um, now there are a lot of ways in which wealthy people structure their life and assets in order to, um, avoid, uh, paying, uh, for in some way being personally liable for something. And I'm sure Dave has worked at that. Um, you know, uh, at some point you have to question, um, the consistency with, I'm a follower of Jesus, but I don't, um, I'm going to make myself penniless, um, and live in a multimillion dollar house and own, you know, um, a $300 million building as he brags, but, um, not, I'm going to structure myself in such a way to never pay out any kind of a claim, but, um, he might be personally responsible and will you know, then they'd have to collect on that, but he serves a lot of roles at Ramsey solutions. And that is, um, those are, those lines are very blurry. Yeah. And, uh, as an attorney, I look at, you know, how you hold someone personally responsible versus a corporate entity. And I feel pretty good, (laughs) um, that, that, um, just based on, you know, a lot of the intricacies that you and I know about how it functions there and things that have been said and done and where to find that information. I feel like that that was a, um, a very well-supported call on their part, um, that that liability is possible. Yeah. Yeah. The lines are very blurry. Dave likes to be involved in all the things. And, Mm -hmm. and this is where it's going to come back to hurt, hurt him. Yeah. His, his needing to have power and control in so many areas could 
open them up to much more liability in this. Yeah. I mean, people like that end up outing themselves and exposing themselves, but they just can't help it. Yeah. As I was preparing for this episode, I listened to clips from episodes in which Dave mentioned the timeshare exit team situation, and I couldn't help but linger on the way he transitions from bluster, ranting, and daring people to bring it to talking about walking with the Prince of Peace. It's jarring and hard to believe, even though I've listened to it numerous times. So, Diamond, Westgate, Wyndham, Marriott, Blue Green. Who am I leaving out here? I don't want to leave anybody out. Just let you guys know, you've been hassling my butt for two years, behind the scenes, and we just made it public. Game on, boys. Game on. This is The Ramsey Show. We'll be back with you before you know it. In the meantime, remember, there's ultimately only one way to financial peace, and that's to walk daily with the Prince of Peace, Christ Jesus. That excerpt from Dave encapsulates one reason I talk about him. He uses Jesus' name. My friend Dan Watt wrote an article about this recently, and he wrapped up his article with a quote from Dave Ramsey's book, Entree Leadership. Here are Dave's own words. I have a goal to get to the end of my life and have one of the great joys be not only winning at business, but how I won at business. None of us get to the end of our lives and think we should have done one more deal or made one more dollar. When your life draws to a close, you realize what is important, people and how you treated them. I'm not sure how to square those words with these ones he said about journalist Lisa Guerrero, who claimed to be injured while trying to get a statement from Dave. You poor, stupid little girl. I think maybe the way you hurt your arm is when you got in bed with the timeshare people. That might have been when you hurt your arm. That's very possible. Something for you guys to think about out there. Dave claims to be running his business based on Christian principles, and yet he seems to be fine with insinuating things of a sexual nature about a journalist who reported on things that reflected poorly on him. It feels like the opposite of walking daily with the Prince of Peace. Thanks for listening to the Untangled Faith Podcast. You can find links to resources mentioned in this episode in the show notes. You can find those notes on your favorite podcast app or by going to untangledfaithpodcast.com and clicking on episodes. If you're on social media, I'd love to keep this conversation going over on Twitter or Instagram or through the Facebook page. I'm Untangled Faith on Instagram and Facebook and I'm Faith Untangled on Twitter. The Untangled Faith Podcast is hosted and edited by me, Amy Fritz. This podcast is made possible by the support of my Patreon community. A special thanks to producers Michelle Pionic, Phil and Susan Perdue, Pam Forsyth, and Shelley Taylor. Thanks so much for listening. I'll see you next week.